Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And no, it is not your speakers, and it is not our microphone. I am just very sick. I'm very sorry for how my voice sounds today. I like how you just opened with, I am ill, sorry. Not like, hi guys, how are you doing? I'm not doing well. Well, that's, I I think it's disingenuous when you ask someone how they're doing just so you can say how you're doing. If I want to say how I'm doing, I'm just going to say how I'm doing. Right, I guess. Just see, I, I subscribe to society's need for politeness sometimes. That's valid. That's fair. How are you doing, Amy? It's been a weird temperature week here in the place that's redacted it was like 14 degrees on like thursday and super chilly and now we're back to 30s which it's a bit of a tease you know like you get to like experience pumpkin spice lattes and like the new leggings you bought and you're like oh i feel cozy i can wear fleeces and then it's all like "Mm, you're back to wearing spaghetti straps because you can't take off your skin. You can't take off your skin. That's a very astute observation. I am very sorry. I live in a temperate climate now, so I just wouldn't understand what it's like to have second summer so far back in my repressed memories. Can I give our listeners an interesting tidbit of information? Yes, you can. That has absolutely nothing to do with literature or regular topics. It's just something that I experienced this week and I need to tell you about it. So I pay for laundry in my apartment and it's gross. It's like $6 for like washing and drying, which is like a highway robbery. So I was house sitting for a friend. Obviously, she lets me use her in sweet laundry because she is kind. And (laughs) I lost one of the socks that my mother-in-law knit for me and I couldn't figure out where it was. Oh no. So I only had one of them and I was like, this is a disaster. I love these socks. They are cute. They are pink. They are warm. They are handmade. So anyways, I did this load like early in the week when I lost a sock and I was really sad about it and then on Thursday I went to do another load of laundry and as I'm trying to put my clothes in the dryer I noticed that one of my socks is about to fall out of the drum like the the washing machine drum was it the sock the missing sock no it was a different sock but I caught it before it fell. So it's a top-loading washing machine. And top-loading washing machines have like the housing, like, the, you know, the square box and then the round yeah. thing in the middle, right? But that's not a, like connected without any like holes. There's a huge hole in between the drum and the square box. Socks fell. So that's where your sock is. Multiple. So I'm taking my phone with like my flash on, taking a video to see if I can spot my sock, you know, to see if it's real. And I find my sock and I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? This isn't my machine. She rents here. Like, how am I going to get this sock? So Google is useful. And I figured out how to open the front panel on this washing machine. So my partner has to like wiggle the washing machine because it was like out of place because of course it's a rental, so like nothing's set up properly. So we wiggle it back into place so that it actually fits through the door that it's supposed to fit through. We open the front panel and I find my sock. And I also find my friend's 10 other socks. Oh my goodness. So really... You you weren't just house sitting, you were also sock finding. Yes, well the last time I house sat at her house, I like cleaned and just polished all her pots and pans. You're so And good. this time I found her socks. Which then made me think about the time when me and my partner visited you and then also consequently Zach and we stayed at Zach's house and we lost one of my partner's socks. So yesterday I asked Zach, hey, do you have a top loader washing machine? And he was like, yes. Well, I was like, do you lose a lot of socks? Because I have news for you. So yeah, if you have a top loading washing machine, chances are 
they're your missing socks are stuck in your machine. Wow. You can either... Life tips with unsighted. You can either open it up from the back or open it up from the front and find your socks. It's also good for you to go and find your socks because it can affect how your machine spins. So Google how to open your washing machine and then open your washing machine. I'm not a licensed appliance repair person, so don't trust what you hear on the internet, but consider it. How did we get onto this? I asked you how you were. Yes, and then I decided to give you an anecdote because it was more fun than temperature. That was good. Like, how often do you learn something this monumental that can help hundreds of thousands of people find their missing socks? So, like, tell your friends. Tell your friends to come listen to this episode, and then they'll find all their socks yeah pretty much if it hadn't been like the this one hand knitted sock i probably would have been like yolo whatever but it was a hand knitted sock so i had to that filled up some airspace it sure did first i do have other things though i have actual episode items (laughs) so last week we talked about favorite books and least favorite books from our community our Twitter buddies that they read in school. I have some latecomers to the show. Are they being deducted 5%? <laughs> well, one was within 24 hours, so that's fine. One is just doing it for extra okay, credit. Okay, we'll oh. allow it. Yeah. Okay, so the first is Bad Dad, Rad Dad podcast, who missed the deadline by like just hours, just a couple hours. You almost made it. So you're good. You're within the grace period. So he said, former English nerd, current high school English teacher, my favorite was Graham Greene's Monsignor Coyote. Least favorite was the Chrysalids. I've read none of those. I'm sorry. I have not even heard of either of those. I've heard of Don Quixote. The Chrysalis, I think I've heard yeah, of. Yeah, it just seems to be something else. I just feel like these are um, maybe alternate universe versions of books I have heard of. Because <laughs> they're very similar to like right. books that I feel are famous. But maybe these ones are famous and yeah. I'm just dumb. Like the, the Bernstein Bearstein yes. Bears. Yeah, yeah. exactly cool. like that. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Even if you were a bit late, it's not your fault we're keeners and recorded early. Then we have Glenn Nuzzles, infamously of the Nuzzle House podcast, who was like six days late, but it's okay. He said he loved Fahrenheit 451. I don't know if I'd feel the same if I read it now as an adult. Have you read Fahrenheit 451? I tried and I didn't like it enough, so I didn't finish it. I read, I think, five pages and I was like, okay. no. <laughs> I read it as an audiobook. I feel like I liked it at the time, but like not enough to really consider it in one of my tops. I liked it enough to finish it, but I didn't like it enough to like, in hindsight, really remember it that much. Fair. I don't want to spoil it, but Glenn said, hated Call of the Wild and Great Gatsby. If you hate every character in the book, can it still be good? Yeah, I also really disliked The Great Gatsby, but not for the book, for how everybody else thought about the book. Because I also hated every character in The Great Gatsby, and that's what made me go like, oh yeah, the world's not perfect. Books aren't supposed to always be likable. It was like a like a mind shift kind of book for me. Right. I never want to read it again, but then everybody else talks about The Great Gatsby like, you want to be Nick, or you want to be Gatsby, or you want to be Daisy, and it's like, I don't want to be any of these people. They're living in the golden age of america and it sucks as you're talking it's kind of reminding me of fight club yeah 
because Fight Club, I think, is the other thing that's like yeah. so widely misinterpreted because it's always co-opted by these like macho muscle bros who are like, oh yeah, being a cog in society is bad and we should just beat the crap out of each other. But it's actually about like a critique on toxic masculinity. I don't know. The Great Gatsby isn't all that great. Um, and I think that's part of its charm, I guess. I think you can hate every character in a book and still enjoy the book. But this is a book that's so wildly like misadapted by like Hollywood that I just I can't. That's valid. Anymore. I have not read it and I feel no shame in admitting that. I've also not read Call of the Wild. Bonus. Embarrassingly, I thought Catcher in the Rye was the best thing ever written. I wonder what Gertie would say though, because I think like she was also an English major. So we also had a suggestion last week that we said we were going to talk about from Uncanny Robot. Uncanny Robot, uh, once again, we've talked about them before, but they are the podcast that read short stories generated by AI. Yes, which is very cool of them. It's very cool. I think their tagline is 80% human ingenuity, 20% AI wackiness, wonkiness. And their suggestion was an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Which we listened to. So you listened to a radio version and I listened to the audiobook version. I feel like you maybe had a more holistic experience <laughs> than I did. I think I went in the direction of listening to the radio drama and then reading the story. So I feel like that's the order we should summarize in. Cool. Uh, first of all, this is a story that if you want to read it first, you should read it. You should not listen to a summary of this story before reading it if you want to read it. So if you want to read it, stop right now. Go read it. It's not very long and then come back. For a brief summary, it's about a Confederate farmer who tries to destroy a bridge at the end of the Civil War in the radio version. Yeah. In the original version, he is not just a farmer, but also a slave owner and very terrible. Oh, he's not as terrible in the radio version. He is terrible, but they like gloss over it. But okay. So in the radio version, which is a CBS radio drama from 1974, first of all, I want to set the scene because when you turn on the radio drama, what you're confronted with is like a newscast. Like, you, it starts with the CBS newscast, and then it goes into like, and here's our radio drama. But I was so confused because they were talking about like the after effects of Watergate, and they were talking about like the rebellion in Northern Ireland. And I was like, what year are we in? And all the commercials were for like Diet Sprite, which had just been invented. My question is, why didn't they cut this around? <laughs> I don't Does CBS know. not have money to edit their previous radio shows the, because I will the do it for them. 1974 editors were just not top but tier. But they put it on the web. They did. It's on the web. It Fix is. It. <laughs> the web. It, like, it goes on for a while before the radio drama starts. So I was like, am I on the wrong, like, recording i was not it would just it takes a while to like, get into it the reason i didn't listen to the radio one was because it was an hour long and the audiobook version was only 30 minutes and i was like i don't feel like consecrating more than 30 minutes of my yeah, life to this uh no that's fair that's why it was so long it's because of that it's pretty heavily adapted i would say but the gist of the plot is we've got this guy peyton he is a farmer in the south he's a confederate he supports the confederate army automatically bad dude bad dude but they like really gloss over how bad 
attitude he is. They're like, oh yeah, he tills the soil with his own hands. Okay. False. We know who's really been doing the planting. So he tries to go blow up a bridge because his friend asks him to go with him. It's at the end of the Civil War. It's kind of like a last ditch attempt to beat the US Army. I'm going to call them the Union Army because that's what they were called, but they were like the Army of the United States as opposed to the Confederates who were separate from the United States because they had separated from the United States because the Confederation is separate from the United States and I don't understand why people have Confederate flags and US flags on their trucks. I don't understand why people have Canadian flags and Confederate flags just on their trucks. I don't understand why anyone has Confederate flags. Just like be better. Okay, so the Union soldiers catch him. They shoot his friend, they catch him, and they try to hang him off of the bridge that he was going to destroy. Halfway down the rope snaps. He falls into the river unharmed. He runs away. He finds a woman. He's somehow got like this big reputation as the man that the Union couldn't kill. I don't know why people know about this because the only other people who were there were the Union soldiers. If I were a Union soldier, I would not be spreading around this like mythos of a martyred confederate farmer that people are going to uphold as like this symbol of eternal southern rule or whatever you know like i would just be like yeah it's like you don't go explaining your faults to people Mm -hmm. you hide those yeah like they didn't weren't even just like hey we're looking for this guy he's a wanted criminal they were like oh this is the guy we tried to hang and he survived anyway it's like embarrassing um so he runs away he finds a woman and she's like oh you're the guy the union couldn't kill and she tries to help him and then the union comes and he runs away and she's like i'll hold them off and she has her gun because you know she's a confederate and they're like you can't have a gun and she's like come and take it and they have this big standoff and she's like i'll shoot you if you go after that guy who's running in the field don't look at him and then um she tries to shoot them but they shoot her and she's like so surprised she's like oh my goodness how could you shoot me after i tried to shoot you wow i can't believe this happened (laughs) what a confederate thing to say very silly she was like i I did not think you were gonna shoot me because I'm a woman. It's like you were literally shooting at them. Like, what did you think was going to happen? But I don't know. Very strange. Then he, Peyton, runs away. He finds a, I think he finds a pastor next. I think this guy's a pastor. He finds a dude. I think he's a pastor. And the pastor tries to smuggle him out of the area in a wagon full of hay. On the way out, the Union soldiers catch up to him and they're like, what's in this wagon of hay? And the guy's like, hey. And then they take their bayonets and they take the business end of the bayonet and they stab it into the wagon of hay. Somehow Peyton doesn't get stabbed. Seems pretty miraculous to me. Maybe he is the man the union can't kill. Maybe the pastor is more than a pastor. I don't know what that's implying. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Okay. So then he tries to go back. He's like, well, like I must have been kept alive by God as a miracle because I need to go back and finish what I started and destroy this bridge. So he dresses up as a doctor and tries to get back into the area as like a disguised doctor. When he makes this decision, he starts to feel like something choking him and hearing a strong wind. I don't know what the strong wind is about unless it's like the winds of change. And then he gets close to the bridge. He either goes to 
to blow up the bridge or does blow up the bridge. And then he's like, oh no, there's something choking me. My head feels like it's going to explode. And then he just dies. And then we find out that all of this was imagined on his way down to be hanged. And I have a couple comments before we get into like your summary. So first of all, I think they're way too like sympathetic to him because even there's a union soldier who's standing there who's like, oh, I don't want to see this guy get hanged. And everyone's calling him a gentleman. They're like, oh, this is a real hanging. Usually you'll only see criminals get hanged, but this is a real gentleman. He is a criminal. He literally is a criminal. I don't, you wouldn't be hanging him if he wasn't. He's a criminal to you. So like you would be considering him a criminal as the opposing army. And he is because he's like Confederates are bad. Bad times. Guess what our political position is on this issue. There's a very funny line when he's pretending to be a doctor with his friend where he's like, do you know anything about medicine burns? And Burns is like, no. And he's like, yes, you do. You're a doctor. And I didn't know at this point that they were going to pretend to be doctors. I wasn't quite sure if they were going to pretend to be doctors because they hadn't explained it yet. Or if this guy was genuinely a doctor who had actually forgotten he knew anything about medicine. So I had to pause it to laugh (laughs) and then start it again. Um, It was just very, (laughs) it was very silly. He goes back to his wife at some point and she tries to convince him to stay and he doesn't. But there's a very silly, weird pickup line thing where he's like, I never knew how truly golden the highlights are in your hair until I saw the water in the morning sunlight. And isn't that like the most soft boy shit you've ever heard? Also, like so many mixed metaphors. Like you've seen hay before. I just feel like it's something that you would see on incel pickup lines. But maybe it's just because we really hate Confederate soldiers. I don't think so. I think I would not like this if it was in anything. Yeah, it gives me a very much Porphyria lover kind of golden hair. I think the problem is it's too long-winded. If you're going to say something romantic, it needs to be succinct also. Brevity is the soul of wit. Commit to the bit or like be quick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that that was my thoughts on that. I think I would have liked it better if I just read the story. Which I did. The audio version I listened to was like word for word, the short story. It's about this guy, Peyton Farquhar, who's like a civilian farmer, slave owner person um, who is going to be executed by hanging uh, from a railroad bridge in Alabama. He is described as a gentleman, but I think that's more to paint the picture than anything else. Here he's like, just like, you know, he's being said that he has like a pointy mustache. So he's from an old family in Alabama. Like, you know, he's made out of money, essentially, is what they're saying. They're saying, we're hanging a rich guy and this is good, which is great. So essentially, he's on this railroad bridge and he's being like floated in between some railroad ties and they're going to move a plank to get him to follow through. And so before he like, you know, gets dropped to his death, he has like a flashback um, explaining that he was like at his house and a guy came up to him being like, hey, you should go burn down a bridge because the Union Army's building back the railroad bridges and if you burn down this bridge then they won't be here and then we can win. We being the Confederacy and then Farquhar is like hell yeah I'm gonna go do that um, and then turns out the guy who came to see him was a spy for the Union Army and he got set up and now he's gonna be hanged because he did a bad. I mean this is like he did do it but I don't understand why they even like got him to try unless they wanted to just entrap Ren civilians. I think it was a way to get rid of the people who weren't soldiers but were still pro the cause, especially those with money like slave owners. Don't get me wrong, they're very bad. 
um, he deserves everything he gets. I just, I didn't understand in the context of like, we're trying to win a war. Why would we create more obstacles for ourselves? Right. But it was more like, we're going to send a message, I think. Anyways, so we return back to the present and he gets thrown down the bridge with, you know, a firing squad nearby, etc. Just in case, you know, the rope breaks, which it does. Um, And he falls in the river and they try to shoot at him. And then he gets out of the river and then there's a cannon. And then he gets to this weird road and he knows he's going in the right direction. And there are trees around him that look like black bodies. And I'm like, well, that's kind of on the nose, you know, because he's a slave owner. Like the trees don't look like people who are black in their bodies. They just look like silhouettes, silhouettes uh, that are black. But it's like, you know, an interesting image being painted of this slave owner walking towards you know his salvation but it's lined with black silhouettes kind of thing um so there's some interesting imageries there that made me go hmm i wonder which side the author was on we'll get to that and then he gets to like his house and he sees his wife and he runs up to his wife and then his neck like he's like he feels like this white hot pain in his neck and then everything turns to black and he died except he wasn't shot in the neck like i thought he was no 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 He was actually hanged and the rope never broke. Yeah. So this whole like story about him escaping, going through the forest and blah, 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 was all about like his like, you know, life flashing before his eyes kind of thing. You know, he dies and it is what it is. And this story, like this short story was one of those stories with like the twist endings. Um, Yes. It was one of the first, well, one of the big first stories of like twist endings in American literature. And it's seen as an important part of American literature because of it. Now, the twistos twist part here <laughs> is that the entire story isn't really positioning itself as pro or anti-confederacy, I think. Like, it's not super clear. It's just a story about people. But Ambrose Bierce, who wrote the story, was a Union soldier. Yeah. So when I was reading it, I was like, huh, weird. Am I supposed to be sympathetic to this guy and wanting him to escape? And then he actually died. And I was like, am I not supposed to be sympathetic to this guy? Because I don't want to be. But like, I'm very confused. So when I figured out that he was actually like on, you know, the quote unquote good side, I guess, it kind of repositioned it Mm -hmm. for me. And I was like, okay, so I'm supposed to hate this guy. I'm supposed to be mad that he's trying to get away. And then I'm supposed to be happy that he didn't get away. I had some thoughts about... Like, who the story was trying to get us to be sympathetic to. Sure. The radio drama fully was positioning this guy as, like, the hero of the story, I think. Weird. Uh, Because the Union Army, they kind of had those, like, sinister voices. And then he had a very, like, earnest voiced actor. There was the Union soldier at the beginning who was like, what do you suppose he's thinking about? And then wraps it all up at the end where he was like, I wonder what he was thinking as he was falling. And then the other Union soldier was like, oh, that happened so quick. I'm sure he didn't have time to think about anything. Right. Which is a fun little on the nose thing about the twist ending. But also, even the Union soldiers are sympathizing with him. And then he's not portrayed as a slave owner. He's portrayed as a farmer. Yeah, because so this was recorded in the 70s, which I don't know much about American history, but it seems a bit too propaganda-y. I would love to know, like, whereabouts the director of this adaptation was from or, like, the person who wrote 
this adaptation because it was very different. And then I read the story after and I was picking out the differences and it was like, it called him outright. It called him a slave owner. Then it was talking about like how, of course, he would want to support the glorious cause of the Confederacy. And it sounded almost sarcastic to me. But by then I also knew that Ambrose Bierce was a Union soldier. Hmm. Yeah, I know nothing about Sam Dan, who's the guy who produced the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And also like in the radio drama, it's his friend who asks him. It's not a trick. So it's like he's genuinely like trying to do this thing and he thinks he can do it and and we don't know it's the setup. So the short story does say like nothing like all is fair in love and war. And like it's very clear that this is not a story that's supposed to be like war is inglorious is kind of what's happening here. Like there's no glory in a war. And I think Ambrose Bierce, having been a veteran who got severely injured in the war, like in the Civil War, was also portraying this idea that like war's not great, but also slave owners also really bad. Yeah. Can I share a hot take? Yes, you can share a hot take. You know how when we think about American horror um, lit, we often think about Edgar Allan Poe, who is like, as we've referred to him before, our very problematic fave, notoriously a confederate, to which I bring up the can we chuck Edgar Allan Poe and replace him by Ambrose Bierce? Yeah, I was worried because I thought I was going to have to issue a correction when I was listening to the radio drama initially, because in the last episode, I said I like Ambrose Bierce and then I was listening to it. I was like, ooh, did he like support slavery? Like that would be bad. But no, he just was adapted in a really interesting way. <laughs> So he's one of America's like most influential journalists and a versatile writer and like his horror writing is up there with Poe and Lovecraft and dare I say we should read more Bierce. You do dare say it. I think we should try and find something else about him because we've talked about so many things from people who suck and he doesn't seem to suck that much. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to say about that. Chuck Poe. Bierce is our slightly less problematic fave. If we could just replace Edgar Allan Poe with Ambrose Bierce, who is like the American horror writer of that time, and also Robert Browning, who wrote from the perspective of villains and did all that interesting stuff, uh, we would be better off for it, I think. But we can, we can enjoy art by sure. people who are not good as long as we're not financially supporting those people and acknowledging that those people are bad. Bierce disappeared. Like, he's his own little mystery. Nobody knows how he... What do you mean he disappeared? So he was in his 70s, somewhere in Mexico or something, because he was trying to, like, experience the Mexican Revolution. And he just disappeared and was never seen again. Nobody knows how he died. Nobody knows where he is. Well, he's dead, but... So he could still be alive. I mean, with a name like Ambrose. Technically, he could be a vampire. Ambrose Bierce vampire. Can someone write a follow-up to this, please? Ambrose Bierce vampire. I think it would be good. Historically accurate. So this was a shortish episode. Yeah. Thank you, Uncanny Robot, for bringing this to us because it is a good story. It's a good and interesting story. I didn't think it was going to be good when I was listening to it, and then I read it, and then in hindsight, I think it is better than I first thought it was. <laughs> Amy, what would you rate this story on a scale of 1 to 10 railroad bridges that don't get blown up. I don't really like railroad bridges right now because one of them almost killed my dog. So I'm going to put this as like an 8. Can you give us some background story on, on that just like for the sanity of our listeners? Oh, yeah. When I broke my ankle, um, my dog 
fell through some railroad ties. She was fine. She caught herself and she was on a leash, so like she didn't fall to her death. But railroad bridges currently are not in my good books. They're in the bad books. I would rate this eight not blown up railroad bridges because I'm I'm very sorry about the railroad bridge that you experienced, but the active railroad bridges in the context of this story were in fact helping the Union Army to advance. Yeah, we'll give them that. Um, So I think they're good in this context. And I like this story. There are things that I would change about the order in which I read it, I think. But I also think the story itself has more of like a dreamlike quality that is lost when you're trying to make it all dialogue and like action oriented for a radio drama. And it makes more sense as like a hallucination vision type situation if you see how dreamlike the story is. Yeah. And one of the comments in the CBS, the link you sent me, was that I enjoy the fact that they didn't just have him walking through the forest for 30 minutes. And I was like, you know what? That was the best part. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think having like a made up story of him finding people along the way is kind of just like silly goose. But anyways. And it's also like annoying because you see all these people who it seems like the story wants you to sympathize with and you're just like, I yeah. don't care. <laughs> so yeah, that's our short episode because I'm sick and we had a long one last week to make up for it. Yeah. And I would like to say one thing to the person who keeps emailing us calling us Derek I think you're a spam person um I would appreciate if you would stop (laughs) Derek doesn't live at Unsighted Pod enough is enough thanks and with that thank you for listening we hope to see you in two weeks and as always we're excited unavailable What's the difference between wonky and wanky and it's not like a vowel? Well, (laughs) you said wanky. um, So that's a little different.